Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. The way people feel respected is by lots of eye contact, by lots of kind of sincere listening. Why has not everybody picked up on this? This is not expensive. It's not that hard to do. Uh, and yet it made such a massive difference in terms of customer experience. There are ways that you can practically do this now and understand some of what I would call the, the hidden experience and identifying these insignificant things that are actually really significant. Colin, um, I've got kind of a problem that I thought that we could discuss today. Is it only one? Uh, that's a good point. Uh, there's <laughs> one problem that I thought that we could discuss today. I have yeah. a problem. I, I have an issue. I, I'm not a very materialistic person. I don't buy lots of clothes or, or I, I, you know, I drive a, an old used car. But I am mildly obsessed with computer bags. Right. I have more than I care to admit to on the air. Wow. Yeah. You have more than one. I have more than one. <laughs> Why would you have more than one computer bag? One is actually the appropriate amount of computer bags that a person should have. I have more than one. Ah. And so I like I spend a lot of time looking online at these things. Uh, now Facebook has figured out these preferences, and so they're constantly sending me more to look at. Can I just stop you for a moment and just sure. say I that? Figure, I, I figure this is what we're going to talk about for a while, <laughs> Tom. If you've got <laughs> questions, go ahead. Yes. I just don't feel qualified enough to, to deal with this, to be totally honest with you, mate. <laughs> pull in an outside expert. Is there a hotline? That, uh, yeah. I'm just glad there's some distance between us at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This podcast is never going to go live. Why have more than one bag? I don't understand the logic. Because I get tired of them, because I, I keep thinking of the ways that they could be better. And so I look for ways they could be better. And a lot okay. of these things are major, right? Like there's just not enough space for the things that I want to carry or it's too big and so it gets to be a burden and it's a hassle on my shoulder or it ends up not fitting right after I, I get it. But the, there's one minor thing that will immediately disqualify a bag from my consideration. And right. a lot of bags don't have them anymore. And it's it's a luggage pass-through. So okay, if you've got a, a laptop bag, a lot of them will have this flap on the back, this slot where you can slide yeah. it over the handle on your rollerboard as you go through the airport. I travel a fair amount, and it's just a major inconvenience when it doesn't have that. And so this is a minor thing. You could design the best bag in the world. And for yeah. me, who apparently accounts for a non-trivial percentage of the computer bag purchases in America, you would lose my custom. You would never get sell me a bag unless it has one of these pass-through slots. Right. So that was a very long-winded way of introducing our topic for today, which is talking about these very minor, insignificant things that can turn out to drive experiences and drive purchases one way or another. 
absolutely. And this is really, really, really important because when typically we, we talk to clients, a client will say to us, yeah, the reason that customers make decisions is based upon the price or yeah. it's based upon this big feature. It's based upon the speed of you know the computer or whatever it may be. And, you know, those things are important. But again, in the research we do, we never find it's those things are the most important things. It tends to be the more insignificant humanistic type things that actually drive behavior. I have to say it's not normally the handle of whether they have a, part, a luggage pass through or not. But, you know, I guess it takes all sorts to make a world. Well, and I'm I'm glad you brought it back to computer bags because I'm I'm a little uncomfortable that we went so long not talking about them just then. Um, <laughs> if you could focus, Colin, I'd appreciate it. I would try. This has been a multi-year pursuit for me finding the the best computer bag I can possibly get. I've literally thought about learning how to sew so that I could make my own. I haven't. Wow. I've thought about it, and I can articulate now that this is an, an attribute that I will look for but I couldn't for a long time, right? Which is right. the point that you're getting at. A lot of times when you do your research and you ask people what is important, they will yeah. give you the big, obvious, easy to justify things. It was only after having bought an embarrassing number of these bags over the years that I realized just how important that was in my experience in using the bag. I'd have this beautiful bag that Sure. I loved in every other way. And then I'd go on a trip and I'd, I'd either have to like, you know, keep it on my shoulder the entire time through the airport. Sure. Or I'd have to do this embarrassing, like kind of looping, tying thing with the shoulder strap. And it was only after experiencing that over and over sure. again that I was finally able to articulate it. But to your point, a lot of these things are people aren't able to tell you about. They just experience it and somewhere deep in their mind, they realize this is a problem and they walk away. Yeah, and I think, as usual, you've said a few really important things there for us, which is at the beginning, you just go, well, it doesn't feel right for some right. reason. Yep. And, you know, you don't know yourself why it's not feeling right, but you just know that there's this sort of nagging thing in the back of your mind. But if someone hits you with a survey or something like that, because you don't know yourself, you're not going to be able to articulate it. So typically, if somebody says, why do you make a decision to, to buy this product or go to this hotel or whatever it may be, you come up with the, you know, the, the safe answers. Well, it's the price, it's the location, it's the whatever. You never get down to it. But I guess it goes back to this sort of, for those of you that don't know, Ryan and I wrote a, a book together called The Intuitive Customer, the same as this podcast. So I, I guess it goes back to this intuitive intuitive sort of association and intuitive thinking doesn't it yeah i mean that that's certainly one useful way of, of thinking about this there's if we've got these two parts of our minds that both contribute to the decisions that we make there's the kind of the rational side uh, what psychologists call system two uh, which is able to articulate all of these specific attributes that are important and then there's also this intuitive side uh, what psychologists call system one which is also providing input into these decisions. And that's the part that's often saying, you know, uh, I'm starting to resist this particular bag because it's, it just seems like a hassle. It seems like it's harder than it should be to use. Or, you know, for an experience, you know, I just don't feel welcome in this retail environment. Or 
you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous calling this call center because I know I'm going to have to wait a really long time or it's going to be confrontational or, you know, all these things that if you've experienced it over and over again, the intuitive part of your brain can move it over to the rational part. So you can become aware of it. Yeah. You know, if you've bought dozens of bags, then you can actually start to, it hasn't been dozens, by the way, um, in case my wife is listening to this. Uh, <laughs> but if you've bought a lot of different bags, you can, you can compare and contrast and you can start to articulate those differences. But for a lot of stuff that we experience, we don't have that depth of knowledge, that depth of comparison. And so it stays intuitive. It just feels wrong. Let me give you an example that may help with listeners. This is one of the ones that I always particularly like. We do a, a piece of research which we call an emotional signature, which basically tries to identify these things. So things that customers don't necessarily say that they want, but actually drive a great deal of value. So, you know, um, and when I say value, I'm talking about spend or uh, increase in net promoter. And we did some research using this with a, with a hospital system. And when you ask patients, you know, what they wanted from the doctor or how they could improve their experience of seeing the doctor or the physician, A, the perceived wisdom in the hospital was that if the doctor spent more time with the patient, that would improve the experience. And what we discovered, you know, when you ask customers that sort of blunt question, what would you like? They will tell you more time with the doctor. But what we actually found, the, the insignificant part was it wasn't actually to do with the amount of time with the doctor. It was to do with whether they perceive the doctor listened to them mm. or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that became the important thing. Now, a few important words there. One is perceived. So what we discovered was the doctor, because of a new computer system, was spending a lot of time in front of the, the when the patient was talking to them, but putting information into the computer system. So that was distracting the doctor, but the patient felt that the doctor wasn't listening to them. And therefore, they felt that if they had more time with them, that would have improved the experience. The irony is that it would have done the opposite, which is uh, A, it would have cost more money because they're spending more time talking to the doctor. And B, they would have felt equally frustrated, but have just spent spent longer feeling equally frustrated. So, you know, I guess the message is that these insignificant things are really, really significant, but you've got to go about things and discovering these things in a much more sophisticated way than just bluntly going out and saying to a customer, what do you want? Yeah, so we usually end each of these podcast episodes by kind of uh, asking what, what practically people can do with this. I think this time we will leaven that advice throughout because yeah. it can be very frustrating, you know, to hear <laughs> Colin and I speaking through earphones saying, yeah, you know, little things matter. Yeah, go ahead and do something with that. Good luck, guys. How is that useful? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? I think this is one of the things you can do with that. At what level are your goals are your instructions to your employees, right? If the level of the instruction is we have to spend more time with our patients uh, or spend more time with our customers, you know, that's a very clear metric 
but it can be done in any number of ways, right? If the doctor is staring at a computer screen going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. that's not going to make it better. If the doctor spends that time, you know, condescending and talking down to the patient as if the patient were an idiot, yeah. which sometimes happens, that also wouldn't address the problem. If instead the level of instruction or the level of goal for the, the employee is, look, our customers don't feel respected um, by us and we need them to. So we want you to go into every situation thinking, how can I help this person feel respected and valued? All right, that's an entirely different set of outcomes that you're going to get. You know, the way people feel respected is by lots of eye contact, by lots of, yep. kind of sincere listening. Those things are going to be more useful in actually managing the customer experience instead of just, hey, spend more time. That's a metric we can track. Yeah, and building on that, let me let me build on that a little bit more because we did a podcast a few podcasts ago talking about um, what we now call authentic emotion measurement, uh, sort of facial recognition. And this gets into the whole topic about micro expressions. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that you can start to, to see how a customer's feeling is by doing facial expression or, or facial recognition. So in other words, we've talked about this a bit in the past about the tells. You know, if you're a gambler, there are tells. Your pupils will contract or, you know, you will start to sweat a bit more, et cetera, et cetera, which indicates a feeling, basically, a, an emotion of some description. And, and therefore, you know, the latest software can pick those things up. So you can turn around and have a camera facing a, a customer and start to pick up some of those micro expressions, which betray effectively at that particular instant, you know, what was happening. So was, the, in this case, the doctor staring out the window or even the one I was like looking at their watch. Yeah, and that's precise moment in time. The customer then gives off this micro expression that shows disappointment or sadness. So you can start to then turn around and go, and again, we're getting really, really practical. <laughs> Maybe this is an interesting one. Take the watch off the doctor, <laughs> you know, because that's not a good thing when they do that, you know. So uh, and then you can you can end up building that all into the training and the design of the experience. So as Ryan says. There are ways that you can practically do this now and understand some of what I would call the, the hidden experience and identifying these insignificant things that are actually really significant. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. In terms of these insignificant things, so, you know, we've talked about identifying them, tying them to larger goals, you know, just in terms of, of trying to make this advice practical. Yeah. Another kind of area that I would encourage people to think about is the broader environmental context. So. You know, if we're talking about experience in a retail setting, what does the retail setting feel like? Is it going to 
you know, activate certain memories in people or certain emotions. I'll give you an example from academic research. There was this great paper that found that, so real quick for our international listeners, when Americans go to vote, a lot of times they'll happen in different locations. So there'll be some municipal locations, so you'll vote in schools or libraries, but then also community organizations will volunteer space. So for instance, when I go to vote, it happens in a church. Right. Local church volunteers their space, and it's very nice of them. And so we go to this church, and, and they'll have the booth set up. So this very clever researcher, our research team, looked at how the voting location affected the way people voted. Okay. They looked at the likelihood of people voting to approve additional taxes to fund education. And what they found was there was a significant, you were significantly more likely to approve education funding if you just happened to be voting in a school building than if you voted in a library or a church or somewhere. Interesting. This environment that you were in you know, activated certain memories, certain feelings. And so it, it led you to be more favorable towards this, you know, particular outcome. So what is the environment that you're setting? You know, what is it that you're forcing people to listen to, forcing people to listen to when they call your call center? You know, have you chosen the most annoying music you could possibly find somewhere? Are you making people listen to that same voice give them whatever your particular, you know, marketing pablum message is about your company over and over again? Are you forcing them to listen about how much they care about you while they're ignoring your call for 20 minutes? That's the environment. What are you queuing up for them in terms of memories and emotions? I realize that came off a little strong. It feels like I've been wounded by that. No, no, absolutely no. I think you're totally right. And and in fact, I was was laying in a dentist chair the other day. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah having a tooth drilled yeah uh, and as is my curse I, all i now think about is customer experiences whenever i'm having a customer experience let me guess you, you were thinking this is still better than waiting for my internet service provider to come <laughs> the yeah, i'd prefer that yeah i would definitely prefer that but as i lay there i thought to myself and they're drilling away i was thinking to myself there is nothing on the ceiling that I can look at. Yep. You know, I'm looking at this light that's shining into my mouth and actually the lens on the light is dirty. Yep. Yep. And the other thing I was thinking was they've got the radio playing, but it's not my music. Yep. And I was thinking to myself, when I book an Uber, I can, on certain Ubers, I don't know why certain ones, I guess it's the technology, but on certain Ubers, I can decide what music I want to be playing as I'm driven along. So, yeah. again, insignificant things, but actually in, in those settings, in that setting, <laughs> me being in the dentist chair, I would have done any. I would have even talked to you, Ryan, rather yeah. than be landing. <laughs> it was that bad. It's a great example. I, I remember when I was younger, I had to get a root canal, which is kind of one of the more extreme dental procedures you can get. And yeah, the guy was blasting country music as I was sitting in the chair. I'm like, this is literally hell. I am experiencing the worst of all possible experiences right now. And to your point, I went to a dentist a couple of years ago that had a TV that was positioned immediately above the chair. And there was a remote on the arm of the chair. So I could flip through and watch TV and be distracted uh, while they were working on my mouth. And 
and I, it was the same thing. Like, why has not everybody picked up on this? This is not expensive. It's not that hard to do. Uh, and yet it made such a massive difference in terms of customer experience. Yeah, well, it's interesting because as I lay there thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, they're playing their music and I'm thinking to myself, actually, so what they're saying is that the dentist's experience of that day was more important than their customer's experience. Absolutely. And again, you start just then hypothesizing about a sort of a customer-centric culture and all those other wonderful things so got off a little bit off a little bit of topic as we talk about dentists and as i struggle over um talking to you with my new teeth in or new tooth in should i say yes uh, we have gotten off topic the topic for today was computer bags and, <laughs> and so returning to that topic the sad thing is, I now realize that when I've met you, you've probably looked over my computer bag with either envy or disdain, and I don't know which it is. Neither of those things. As I mentioned at the beginning, Colin, uh, I have a problem. But in terms of minor things, I'll give you one. So the, the luggage pass-through, <laughs> I sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I, I don't care. Uh, this is important to me. I'll give you an, an, an example. The easiest problem to solve that has yet to be solved by anyone, if you have a computer bag, you need to carry your plug with you. And the plugs are all weird shaped. And yet nobody has figured out how to create a space in the bag, a pocket that fits a Mac charger or that fits like a Dell charger. Uh, Instead, you have to loop them all around and they think they just kind of, you know, don't go anywhere in particular. Like... How hard would that be? Like, can you imagine what an intuitive gift that would be to a bag owner to have solved that particular problem that literally everyone has when they use a computer bag? So are you experiencing things from your customer's perspective so you can have those intuitive insights? You know, what are those minor annoyances that'll build up intuitively over time to turn you against some product or service or experience? But I lay your money, actually, thinking about it. And, and I know we're going on about computer bags. This is the most important topic we have ever covered, <laughs> Colin. But I'm sure now that you've actually sort of gone down deeper than that and you've started to go, actually, there are some also good straps or pass-through straps and there are some bad ones and this is what a good one looks like and this is what a bad one looks like. Yeah. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm more educated on this than any sane person should be. Most people, though, are going to invite, you know, investigate these things and evaluate them on a very intuitive level. Sure. Um, and are you giving them those tiny things that can influence them one way or the other, or are you leaving it to chance? And genuinely, it can be that because, you know, I, I guess by definition, you may look at the subconsciously be looking at the stitching, and that gives you a view as to the, whether the quality of the bag is going to last a long time and therefore is it worth the money and is it worth the quality and i guess that also goes into the branding and all those other wonderful things so good i'll I'll give you another great example familiar with uh, the beats brand so beats headphones yeah yeah Yeah, so got very very popular several years ago they were kind of the cool thing someone (laughs) took apart their beats headphones and found that inside the headphones they just had pieces of metal that were attached to things and it was just it was just like a you know a small chunk of steel essentially didn't do anything but what it did is it made the headphones heavier right 
which is just this intuitive cue. A lot of people were upset by this. I thought it was kind of brilliant. Right. You know, people associate a certain amount of the heaviness of some product like that with its sure. quality. Yeah. Uh, if it feels light and flimsy, yeah. then you don't feel like you want to pay a lot of money for it. It feels like it's lower quality. They recognize this intuitive cue that people use to evaluate, and so they you know, made the thing heavier. Yeah. Maybe not in a way that customers appreciated. Maybe the customers would have liked it more if they'd actually made the plastic thicker or something that would have actually reinforced the product itself. But, you know, in terms of identifying the cue that was important and, you know, increasing the value of that cue, they were kind of smart in the way that they did it. Maybe they did it in a kind of a tricky way that people didn't like. But. That's a really good example um, because, again, it's it's just that intuitive feel. If you suddenly pick up your headphones and you go, oh, blah, they feel a bit light. Maybe they're not the right standard or quality. a bit about well what is it that you would do as we've gone through this if anybody wants to find out a bit more about this emotional signature research that we do then please just drop us a line and if anybody wants to just give us any feedback on 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 how we're doing suggest any topics that you'd like us to talk about then please just drop us a line at contact at beyondphilosophy.com that's contact at beyondphilosophy.com And we look forward to seeing you next week. And I'm just about to go and look at Ryan's bag collection. That will be fun. Well, next week on the Intuitive Computer Bag, we'll be talking about (laughs) the relative merits of micro fleece and felt lining. So stay tuned for that. Can't wait. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Bye. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.